Welcome to the November 2018 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast. I'm Lisa Louise Cook. Our theme for this month is genealogy in the United Kingdom. And we're going to kick off this episode with a quick look at a major event that impacted your family history in this month in history. Then Shannon Combs Bennett will be here with another DNA Deconstructed segment. Author Rick Croom is going to stop by to share tips and tricks for researching your UK ancestors. And right in line with our theme, we'll take a look at the best websites for British genealogy with Dave Frixell. In our Stories from the Stack segment, we'll explore British genealogical research at the Clayton Library Centre for Genealogical Research. And I have the author of a brand new book on Scottish research, Amanda Epperson, will be here. As always, we have a lot to cover, so let's get to it. First up, This Month in Family History with Andrew Cook. This month, exactly one century ago, the war to end all wars finally came to a close after more than four years of brutal fighting. On the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918, the Central and Allied powers laid down their arms and agreed to peace terms. The great war that began with the assassination of one man, Archduke Franz Ferdinand, resulted in more than 16 million deaths worldwide and a total overhaul of European political borders and power structures. The armistice in November 1918 led to the Treaty of Versailles in 1919. This agreement formally ended the war, broke up the German, Ottoman, and Austro-Hungarian empires, and created a new peacekeeping body, the League of Nations. But the treaty also called for extensive war reparations that hit the German economy hard, and these set the stage for a bigger and even deadlier conflict 20 years later, World War II. If you have European ancestors, look for maps of the continent before and after the Treaty of Versailles, as several regions changed hands as new countries were created and empires were dissolved. According to my next guest, researching your family history in England and Wales has never been easier. My friend Rick Krum is here to share just some of the reasons why from his new upcoming article in Family Tree Magazine. Welcome back to the show, Rick. Hi, Lisa. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for stopping by. And I know you're going to give us a little bit of a sneak peek at the resources that you outline in this new article. And I think it's set to appear, this is going to be a little bit in the future, on the March-April 2019 issue of the magazine. But I'm looking forward to kind of getting a sneak peek of it now. But first, I'd love to have you tell us, why do you think it's easier than ever to research ancestors from the UK? Well, when I began researching my family history back in the 1970s, it involved writing to courthouses in the U.S. and doing research in another country was really hard. But uh, fast forward to the 1990s, I was able to order a lot of microfilmed records through the local family history center that um, made many important record groups much more accessible But today, it's a whole different story with so many records online. In addition to that article on the 33 British genealogy websites for the March-April issue of Family Tree magazine, there will probably be another article in that issue that I wrote on the Ultimate Genealogy Websites Guide. And one thing I found out in doing research for that article is that just about all of the key 
record groups that you need to research your family history in Great Britain are online. Those include church records, often called parish registers, civil registration indexes. Those are indexes to government records of birth, marriage, and death back to 1837, census records from 1841 to 1911, probate registry indexes for England and Wales back to 1858. I did some comparison and found that all four of the largest genealogy websites, Ancestry, Family Search, Find My Past, and My Heritage, have all of those key records. And Family Search is free. So um, it's pretty amazing that you can access all of those records online today. It's so true. It really has changed. And and even if a record isn't online, of course, we're going to head online to find out where is it held? What's the most convenient way to get our hands on it? And you mentioned, too, that, that these records are on a variety of different websites. And I know sometimes simply just the quality of an image or the way that they index, each of them have their nuances so it can actually be beneficial to to look at all of them. Isn't that true? That's very true. Even though, as I mentioned, Family Search has all of those records that I mentioned, just because a website has a certain database doesn't mean that it works the same on that site as it does on other sites. Family Search, in general, probably has less sophisticated search capabilities than the paid subscription sites do. So it's definitely worth checking more than one site. And you never know if a record might have been transcribed incorrectly on one site and correctly on another one, or another one just has better search capabilities, gives you maybe more options to search a a census on, for example. So you might find a record on one site and not find it on another one, even though both sites have really the same records. Excellent points. Now, in this article where you have the 33 genealogy sites for British, not all of them are websites from the UK. And not and actually not all of them certainly are even solely dedicated to British research. But it's the fact that such a wide variety have wonderful resources for us when we are doing British genealogy. I'd love to hear what's one of your favorites? What's something that we just shouldn't be missing? One site that I had somehow overlooked for a long time is called Free Reg, or at least that's how I pronounce it, F-R-E-E-R-E-G. It's short for Free Registers, Free Church Registers, and it's really a terrific site that gives you free access to transcribed birth, marriage, and burial records from parish registers, nonconformist records, and other sources. And it's operated by volunteers and regularly updated. And it has more than 40 million records from across the United Kingdom. And so it really should be one of the first websites you check for UK ancestors before 1837. And looking for church records of baptism, marriage, and burial typically started with family search and then tried the other commercial websites. And they tend to have a lot of the same records because a lot of the records on the commercial websites are licensed from Family Surge. But if you go to Free Reg, they seem to have a lot of records that are unavailable on any of those other sites. So it's a really important site, and they're constantly adding more records. Wow, what an amazing resource. And one 
put together by volunteers. I mean, genealogists are just incredible how they can make things happen when there's a motivation there to get their hands on these records. That's right. I love it. Uh, What's another one that we should keep our eye out for? Let's see. Well, you you mentioned how important the internet is for how-to advice. And there are a couple of websites that are really important for help in researching your British ancestors. One is the Family Search Research Wiki. It has articles contributed by the public, and it's re- really useful for guides to f- um, researching your family history in England and Wales. Um, you could start with the searching the wiki for England or Wales and work your way down to links to articles about, about specific counties and specific types of records. Um, each county page has a research guide plus links to a page for each parish within the county. Um, For example, the page for Wigan Hall, St. Mary Magdalene, and the Norfolk County Genealogy section describes the major resources for that parish, and it has links to indexes and images of online records. So whether you're looking for general information on researching your British ancestors or you've narrowed your search down to a specific county or even a parish, the Family Search Research Wiki is a really helpful place to go to for advice on where you can find more information. And the other one for research help that I've found really useful, I pronounce it Januki or Januki, G-E-N-U-K-I. It's short for Genealogy in the United Kingdom and Ireland. It's another free site, and it provides extensive information on genealogy resources for the United Kingdom and Ireland. And the church database in particular is really useful. Um, It can pinpoint a parish on a map and produce a list of nearby parishes. So if you're trying to spread your research out to find out where, let's say, a spouse might have come from, once you find your ancestors in one parish, you can work your way out and maybe find references to other family members. And the homepage also has links to family history societies, which can be really useful. For instance, I um, used to be a member of the Poes Family History Society, which covers three counties in Wales. They've transcribed gravestone inscriptions for many cemeteries in those three counties. They call them monumental inscriptions, and they've published books with those transcriptions, and that information is really helpful. And um, many family history societies have also published marriage indexes, for instance. The Cambridgeshire Family History Society in England has actually indexed all of the early church records, the early parish registers for that county, and published CD-ROM indexes to them. So that's really amazing. Wow, terrific resources. And, you know, as you're describing them, I'm thinking to myself, you know, even if you have researched for a while, it never hurts to go back to sources like this and comb back through them. Did you miss anything? Is there something new? As you say, people are contributing information and it's constantly evolving, isn't it? That's right. And that makes me think of some of the research guides on the Family Search Research Wiki. Some of them are designed to take you step by step. Um, suggesting records that you should check next. And whether you're just beginning or you're a seasoned researcher, it's useful to go back through those steps and follow them again and see if there are records you might have missed or new records that are available that you weren't able to access before. Great point. 
Head to the show notes page for this episode and you will find links to all of the websites that Rick mentioned and suggested for your British research. And of course, keep your eye out for his article coming up in the March-April 2019 issue of Family Tree Magazine. Always wonderful to talk to you, Rick. Thanks so much. Thanks, Lisa. Coming up next, Shannon Combs-Bennett will be here to talk about the genes that make up the British Isles in DNA Deconstructed. Hello everyone, Shannon Combs-Bennett here again, bringing you the DNA Deconstructed topic for the month, genes that make up the British Isles. If you're like me, you have a large amount of British Isles heritage. Whether you find that heritage as Celtic, Irish, Scottish, Welsh, Cornish, British, etc., the Isles are a rich and diverse group of peoples. To understand that heritage, you need to know anthropology, history, and have an understanding that seafaring groups like to move around a lot. It was really hard for me to break down this topic into a five-minute segment, but, you know, I gave it my best shot. First, I want to make sure we all have a good base layer to build upon. Remember, these tests look at our autosomal DNA. Y-DNA and mitochondrial DNA haplogroups can give you different information on your paternal and maternal heritage, which can be very useful too. But due to the way autosomal DNA is inherited, we lose a significant amount of DNA each generation. The results we see in an ethnicity report will only reflect the bits of DNA we inherited. So remember, your paper genealogy may have a link to a part of the world which might not show up with the DNA. In July 2016, a study reported that there were 26 ethnicities going back 500 years for Great Britain. Understanding the global impact the British people had on the world. Is this any surprise to you? Besides British and Irish traits for the test takers in the UK, other top percentages were Europe, West, Scandinavian, and Iberian Peninsula. Now, if we break the study into smaller groups like Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Britain, those numbers did change and reflected the immigrations in and out of that area. Plus, there were other ethnicities counted, such as Finland, Italy, Jewish, and Russian. Now, if you do have family lines leading you back to the British Isles, you may have looked into taking a test with living DNA. They state on their website, quote-unquote, the first DNA test to give you a breakdown of your ancestry across the UK. But how do they do that? And how do they know all those regions, right? What are they doing that's different? Well, living DNA analyzes your segments, looking for clues into your past, which then allow their computer algorithm to determine which of the 21 predefined regions of the UK your family came from. So they state that their program looks at DNA in a linked way, which they've referred to as constellations, quote unquote. And that helps determine the area in the UK your family most likely descended from. They're comparing your constellations to people's constellations from those areas. What I like is they really, really take into account migration history of the peoples who came to the islands into account. And it's very important if you're trying to figure out why you have such a high Scandinavian percentage, for instance. Perhaps your family is purely descended from the eastern and northern coasts where the Norse people landed. Well, 
For example, my case, I have high Iberian Peninsula results. My link to that area is actually through my Ireland line. My last Irish immigrant family came from Galway, which has a high percentage of Spanish heritage due to centuries of trade. And I do recommend visiting the Latin Quarter if you ever get to go, because it's beautiful. So most important is for everyone to realize that we are the result of various groups of people living and intermingling on this planet for eons. Well, we may test one way now. Think about how those tests might change in a hundred years. We are all human after all, and we are coming into a global age of migration around the planet, which will change the way we look at ourselves, I'm sure. So until next time, have fun researching and looking for your ancestry. I'll see you soon. Well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this episode is dedicated to doing genealogy research in the UK. And of course, we need to turn to our 101 best websites list to find out which websites specifically you need to be targeting. And to do that, we're going to talk with the author of that article, Dave Frixell. Hi, Dave. Hello. Good to be here as always. Well, we're excited to hear which websites you have targeted for this type of research. What are some of your favorites? Well, you know, in, in past years, many times the 101 Best Websites has actually had a whole category about British Isles. But every few years, we, we try to mix it up a little bit. And so this year, the British Isles categories or websites are sort of mixed through the uh, other categories. So I went through to pick out the ones that, you know, seem to be, uh, you know, best fitting um, whatever category we wound up with them in. And of course, we should start by noting that a couple of the uh, honorees like Ancestry and Family Search have a lot of British records. So if you're already uh, used to Family Search and if you're a subscriber to Ancestry, you know you might want to start your search there, and then turn to some of our other suggestions once you uh, you know get your feet wet there. And probably the the real standout when it comes to uh, British research is the Find My Past site. It's sort of confusing because there's a U.S. version of Find My Past that has really been growing a lot. But the the original of Find My Past really was a specifically British site. And uh, it initially started off really with the uh, the start of civil registration there. So everything from like 1838 onwards, you know, you could find there. And then it is just, as these sites do, they've just been going nuts with digitizing all kinds of other things. So every few days I get another email from Find My Past that says, you know, now we've got you know, these soldier records or these naval records or this census or so it's just it's a very rich, you know, resource. It's also it's easy to use and very powerful. And it is, you know, expensive, it like the all subscription sites. So but if you have British ancestors, it's really the one to probably to invest in first. Exactly. And of course, they cover the UK. I don't know, you know, Scotland being part of the United Kingdom, whether they have as many on that. We're going to be talking to Amanda Epperson, who has written a book on Scottish research. And of course, there's Scotland's People. It's one of their big sites. Do you know if Find My Past includes some of those other countries within the United Kingdom, like Scotland and Wales? It does. And I think it even, you know, goes all the way like to, you know, to Australia and places, you know, Commonwealth type, you know, countries. But it's, sort of its original core was, you know, really England and Wales, but then it has, it has expanded. As I say, now it has U.S. records, you know, as well. Another site that made our list, which people may be less familiar with, 
It's another subscription site. It's called FamilyRelatives.com. And it does, in fact, have a lot of records throughout the U.K. and as well as Commonwealth countries. It's really big on Australia for some reason. And what's interesting about Family Relatives is that, well, it has some of the usual stuff, if you will. It's also really rich in unusual sources. So, you know, when you hit your brick wall and find my past and ancestry and family search, you might want to give Family Relatives a try. It has things like trade directories. Overall, it has a billion records plus, um, and a lot of them fall into that sort of category of things, you know, that you might not have thought to find your ancestors in. And the nice thing is, well, you can subscribe. It's like 50 bucks a year, or you can pay-per-view, so it's less of a commitment. You know, if you, if you give it a try and you, you, know, you think, oh, my goodness, look at all this stuff here, um, then you, you, know, you can subscribe. Or if you find just one or two hits, you can pay-per-view, which makes it you know, kind of more flexible in that way. Right. Uh, so that's familyrelatives.com, and that's one that I right. haven't really spent much time yeah. on. I, I find my past has kind of been my go-to, but that's great to know fairly recently done a, a redesign too so it's, oh. I think it's easier to use it was kind of creaky looking before but now it's easier <laughs> to use and then you know we're always talking about newspapers as a source and there's a really great site um, it's again a pay site but it's also available paper go and it's just called the British Newspaper Archive and uh, when we last we looked it had like 24 million pages probably more than that now it goes back to the 1700s and it covers England, Wales, Scotland, and now also uh, recently added Ireland. So, you know, as with all newspaper sites, you can maybe find obituaries, find mentions of your ancestors in the news, you know, wedding announcements. And it's another good one where, you know, if you're stumped, if you hit that infamous brick wall, you know, you, it's worth a try because you might, might just have that one little nugget that, you know, breaks it down for you. I love that website. I have found so much at the British really? Newspaper Archive. Oh, that's great. It's, yeah, just, it's, it's just tremendous. And one of the things I often tell people, I discovered this in finding, it was a coroner's inquest for uh-huh. the death of an ancestor. It was all completely outlined in the newspaper. But it mm-hmm. not only provided the names and the, and the background, but it gave different variations of how these people were referred to. So versus saying, you know, Harry Cook, they said Master Cook or whatever. Right. So it gave me some different options. I went back into their archive and start searching on these other terms, even addresses. And oh, my gosh, many, many more different articles popped up. So it's such a rich resource that it has so many wonderful different ways to go at the search process. I encourage people when you get to that homepage, scroll down and look, there's a map, you can choose the title of the publication, there's many different approaches that you can take to find what you want. And being able to search, you know, in something like newspapers, you know, otherwise, oh my goodness, you're really, uh, you know, in for a long haul. But, exactly. Uh, and newspapers, you know, ran things that we don't run anymore and you, know, you don't see in newspapers. So uh, in much more detail, you're much more likely to find them. Absolutely. So those are all pay or subscription sites. And mm-hmm. we also had a couple of, of free sites that made the list. I think one of your earlier guests has already mentioned Januki, which is a perennial for us on the 101. And it's how-tos, FAQs, databases, maps. And it's just great because it's volunteer, and so it's very it's very rich in uh, in material. Then there's the there's really a collection of records that now under sort of an umbrella called Free UK Genealogy, and it gets another volunteer site where they're transcribing. They got 
300 million births, marriages, and deaths, 35 million parish records, and 33 million entries on uh, individuals from census data. So, you know, before you, you know, shell out for the pay sites, if you're not already subscribing to them, it's worth a look to see, and you can even look at, there are, like, site maps, in effect, that will say, give where their progress is, so you can see, oh, yeah, they've really covered my county or my, you know, time period or whatever, and see if you can find your answers without having to shell out anything. And, of course, it's great because it's, it's, well, free. And what was that one called again? It's just called Free UK Genealogy, and it's a combination, really. It's the like umbrella now for on the free reg and free census, and I forget what, free BMD was, the, I think, the, you know, the original one. But now they're all under freeukgenealogy.org.uk. Perfect. Oh, my and gosh. And so you can see them all, you know, at once there, with having to remember three different, you know, websites. and made it easy for us to uh, fit them into the 101. And the other one is the British National Archives, which, you know, don't confuse it with the U.S. National Archives, because it's, it's nationalarchives.gov.uk. So uh, make sure you're going to the right country here. And that has, I think, in recent years, increased its, online presence, you know, of course you can search the catalog, but they have a growing collection of digitized records, as well as a lot of handy guides. Um, they'll show you where to find uh, information, other online sources, and how to get the most from them. And the, the digitized records, again, it's kind of a hit or miss thing as national archives tend to be in, uh, at least in English-speaking countries. I think there's a, quite a lot on uh, if your ancestor was a, a uh, convict or a criminal, for example, um, you're likely to find them there. So mm. if you have a black sheep in the family, it might be you know, a good way, a good place to start. I love it. Okay, so we've got on our short list, Find My Past, Family Relatives, the British Newspaper Archive, the British National Archives, of course, Januki, which is G-E-N-U-K-I, and right. Free UK Genealogy. I will have links to all of these in the show notes page for this podcast episode. And of course, if you want the full list, all of the wonderful genealogy websites that Dave has found this last year, you need to head to the 101 best websites list and have that link in the show notes for you as well. Hey, great resources. Thank you so much, Dave Frixell. Thanks so much. If you've been wanting to research your Scottish ancestry, then this Just In segment is for you. Family Tree Books has just published a brand new book. It's called The Family Tree Scottish Genealogy Guide, How to Trace Your Family Tree in Scotland. Now, this book outlines the research process, whether your ancestors immigrated after the Great War, or if they made their way much earlier back during even colonial times. I am really pleased to welcome to the show the author of this wonderful new book. Her name is Amanda Epperson. And Amanda not only has a rich Scottish heritage herself, but she also earned her PhD in Scottish history at the University of Glasgow. Welcome to the show, Amanda. Thank you, Lisa. It's good to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you here because I don't think we've tackled this topic here on the podcast. And you really are in the know because you kind of grew up knowing that you were Scottish, didn't you? Yes, my mother's father, um, William Hood, immigrated to this country in 1923, just before his 10th birthday. Um, So I have always known um, that I have um, Scottish ancestry, but he died when I was seven, so I didn't get to know him very well. And that was on your mother's side. On your father's Mm -hmm. side, were you Scottish as well? 
Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> His family has been here um, since be- most of it since before the revolution, and I haven't been able to trace any of it back to the other side of the pond. Right. So his DNA is just sort of a muddled Great Britain, Ireland, Scotland, Wales. Mm, lots <laughs> so of I'm unraveling sh- to do. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure it's there somewhere. <laughs> I just don't know where. Well, no matter where the immigrant ancestor is in our tree. Where do we start? Are the first steps that we take the same? Yes. You start with yourself yeah. <laughs> as you do with any other genealogy project, except perhaps if you have a case like mine where I know my grandfather was born in Scotland and his parents came to America. So if I wanted to skip my mother, <laughs> I could start with him. But generally speaking, you start with yourself and keep going backwards um, until you find the Scottish immigrant. And I've found a couple of cases. One, because Scots have been coming here since the 17th century, you may have a Scottish ancestor that you don't know about. (laughs) So the only way to find it is to keep tracing the family back. And then I've worked on several cases where they'll say my Thompson family or whatever family it is, they'll say this family is from Scotland. I'm like, okay. And then you keep doing the research and you realize it's a maternal line that's actually from Scotland. The story, though, has gotten attached to the paternal line and that surname. So you have to be careful and be keeping your eyes open for anything that turns up. If you know you had an ancestor, but you don't know exactly when they immigrated, I mean, talk about the immigration process, because when we start with records here in the US, correct, and then that's going to help us make that leap across the pond. Right. So many, there was an awful lot of Scottish immigration in the late 19th and early 20th century when there's very good immigration and naturalization records and the census records recorded more or less when your immigrant Mm -hmm. came to America. So you definitely want to check those records first to narrow down the date of when they came. And then one of the beauties of Scottish genealogy, well, the one bad thing is all of their names are the same. (laughs) They are very, very common names, lots of Alexander McDonald's, lots of Hoods, a very common name. But because the records are so well indexed and you can search the indexes for free at either Family Search or Scotland's People, it doesn't hurt any just to sort of start playing with the indexes once you start knowing when your family came and where they came from. But you definitely need to start with the U.S. records to, to narrow that down. But if you're anxious and want to start looking, it won't, it won't hurt you. <laughs> well, now, you mentioned two really important websites. Mm-hmm. You mentioned yes. Family Search. And Scotland's people. And Scotland's people might be new to some of our listeners. Tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about that. Scotland's people is run out of the National Records of Scotland. It's more or less an agency of the the Scottish government. And they have digitized and made available online all of the Scottish civil registration records, the census records, wills and probate, church records from other denominations, and valuation, which are essentially annual or biannual tax records. Um, and those are all available to search at Scotland's people. They're all digitized and you can look at the index for free and then pay a small fee to see the images. And the index is linked directly to the image. So you just click on the link and it takes you right to the page of the census or the church record or the civil record you want to see. Um, Sounds a little bit more like Find My Past where you purchase kind of as you go versus one big, you know, subscription. Right. It is a pay as you go for credit. So the credits are just 
25 pence each, so it's about 35 cents, and you can buy them. The smallest lot is £7.50, so it's about $10.50. And most of the images cost six credits to see, so about $3. So if you know that you have the right person, like I know I when I found the index for my grandfather's birth civil registration, I knew that was the right person, and I just paid my $3. If you don't know, and if you're on a fishing expedition, this is not a good approach because you could end up spending lots and lots of $3 um, to get the right person. But there are some records that only Scotland's people has access to, like the 1911 census. You can only see it's Scotland's people. Excellent. So it's it's really important to do really good research because you've got (laughs) these people with with so many similar names, and it'd be really easy to kind of cross branches and not even realize you're doing it. Yes, I've done um, an investigation of an immigrant community in Ohio, and they all had many branches of the same, like Macintoshes, who were not related to each other. And I sometimes wonder how the, I guess, hobby genealogists would go into that community and come out at the other end still attached to the right family, (laughs) because it's uh, such a tangled mess and the records aren't very good. Well, and there's a very rich, long history to Scotland. Mm -hmm. Why is it so important to get to know the country and its history in your research? Well, one is just to understand your ancestors' experience, like what it would have been like to live in Scotland in 1752, let's say. It's also good to know where to look for records if you can understand the history, particularly the religious history of the country. So um, in the... 17th and 18th century, there was a lot of, in 19th century, there was a lot of division within the Presbyterian Church. Um, so there was the main Church of Scotland that people could have attended, but then there were splinters and lots of disagreements within the Presbyterian Church. So people broke away and formed new churches. So their records are not with the traditional old, old parish records accounts that are associated with Scottish genealogy so predominantly. If you don't find your ancestors in those records, knowing if they were in a dissenting area where there are lots of very you know, lots of different Presbyterian churches, you can know that, okay, mine may have gone to them. Or if you lived on the East Coast or in the Highlands, it's possible your ancestor went to an Episcopalian church or the Catholic church. And so it's important to know the religious history of those areas to know if that's a possibility. Another reason it's good to know the history is you will reach the end of records in Scotland at some point sooner rather than later. So like some parishes don't have records going back before, much before 1800. So you're not going to be able to find out the names of your ancestors, but you can find out about the community they've lived in by learning about the history of their county or their parish. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned several different kinds of records that Mm -hmm. the Scotland's people have. And we're talking, you know, the civil records, will and probate, the valuation, the tax records. Mm -hmm. What do you consider some of the most important records for people to work with? I think the most important are civil records and the church records because they cover most of the population for a you know, several hundred years. And they're very well indexed, very well covered at both Scotland's people and uh, family search. Um, so they're easy to access and easy to understand. And Scottish civil records started in 1855 and cover birth, death, and marriage. You get almost 100% compliance from 1855 because it was free and it was compulsory. Wow. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so, so you get higher compliance in Scotland than you do after 1837 when England starts um, its own process of civil registration. So that's really good. And then the parish records, again, cover a huge swath of the Scottish population going back in some parishes to the 16th century, although I would caution it's not very many parishes um, that go back that far. And one of the interesting things about Scottish genealogy is I, in America, were taught to look at probate records because they are such a rich resource of records for your ancestors. And I found that to be very much true. However, in Scotland, wills are not required by law. Um, And there are certain legal legal divisions about, so if you had a landed estate where you had heritable property, you couldn't leave that to just anyone. You had to leave it to your heir, which was your almost in all cases, your firstborn son. So, And then your wife was legally entitled to one-third of your estate and your children legally entitled to one-third of your estate. So you didn't need to name them in the will. Oh, and nice. you just say, you know, my heir gets this, my, my wife gets this. And, you know, there were courts that determined who these heirs were. And then the wills are almost always done by people of means or of property. So if you have someone who, you know, owns a shop in the city, he probably did leave a will because he had property. But if you have a rural tenant farmer out in the highlands, they probably did not leave a will. So wills are not the same awesome resource in, in Scotland as they are in America perfect example of exactly what you were saying, how important it is to understand the history, understand the record collections themselves and what went on behind the creation of them. So you know what to look for, but you also know what don't need to be looking for because it's not there. (laughs) Yes. I mean, some people will clearly be descended from people who left wills and they are an amazing resource. So are property records, but people in Scotland tended not to own property. So you won't have, you know, sale and purchase of property. But so that's why I say the civil records and the parish records are really the best. And the civil records are really, really detailed. Um, So you can find out names of parents and maybe the birth record says when the parents were married in most years. So there's a lot of detail like that. And there's a lot of detail in your new book. For those of you listening, you can tell that Amanda really knows this topic. And this book is just a really comprehensive guide to researching your Scottish ancestors. She starts up with uh, linking your tree to Scotland, getting to know the old country, which we were talking about the value of that. Of course, the process of tracing your family in Scotland and all of those rich records that are available. And Amanda also covers advanced sources and strategies. And, and this is really a helpful chapter to turn to when you get stuck. And of course, there's lots of great resources in the appendix in the back of the book. So I highly recommend it. We will have a link in the show notes so that everybody can get a copy for their, their own research at our Family Tree Magazine store. And Amanda, thank you so much. This was just so helpful. And it's exciting to hear about the kinds of rich resources that are available for anybody doing Scottish genealogy. You're welcome. It was my pleasure to be here. Well, we've come to the end of the November 2018 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast. It's the show from America's number one genealogy magazine. Head to the show notes page for this episode to get the links and information on everything that we talked about. Just head to familytreemagazine.com slash podcasts. And if you're looking for even more tips for finding your United Kingdom ancestors, sign up for our four-week online course at Family Tree University. 
It's called Research Your Scots-Irish Family History, and it will help you overcome the unique challenges of finding your Ulster Scots ancestors. This online course starts again December 3rd of 2018, so now's the time to sign up. Again, we'll have a link in the show notes. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and of course, I invite you to listen to me on my Genealogy Gems podcast, which you can find at genealogygems.com. And of course, it's available along with Family Tree Magazine and all the popular podcast apps. But we also have a Genealogy Gems app as well in your favorite app store. Until next time, have fun climbing your family tree.